This podcast may not be suitable for all audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Because this episode is more about getting to know Nicole in honor of the anniversary today, I am going to give you a brief synopsis of what these two cases are for Nicole Lynn Bowen and Charles Ray Hanish. I will be reading excerpts from JC Online written by Dave Bangert. Quote, Charles Ray Hanish, 49, a nurse living in Reynolds, was found dead in his home on March 17th of 2019. End quote. Quote, when her son Ray Hanish died in March at age 49, his body found in his Reynolds duplex days later, there were no accounts in a newspaper in or around the White County town, 25 miles north of Lafayette. Nothing on TV either, nothing much on social media even. The initial word she received was that Hanish, a nurse at a nursing home in Monticello, had died of natural causes. It didn't add up, Dottie Hoagland Hanish said. Months later in September, Ray Hanish's death certificate was released by the White County Coroner. Under the manner of death section, the coroner put a check mark next to homicide, the cause of death, asphyxia due to ligature strangulation. The how and the why still are sketchy from official sources. Sergeant Kim Riley, spokesman for the Indiana Police Post in Lafayette, said results of an ISD investigation into Hoagland's death were turned over to the White County prosecutor. Beyond that, Riley said he wasn't in a position to share details of what police suspect happened to Ray Hanish. What the family knows from the prosecutor is that Kurtz, charged in Newton County, jailed and waiting a trial in connection with the strangulation death of Nicole Bowen, a West Lafayette mother of two, end quote. Quote, Nicole Bowen's body was found by a property owner on March 30th of 2019, was somehow tied to Ray Hanish's death as well, end quote. Quote, the connection, the timeline, White County Prosecutor Bob Guy confirmed to JNC that he's waiting for Kurtz's trial to wrap up in Newton County before filing any charges connected to Ray Hanish's death in Reynolds. He declined to give many details other than to say witnesses tied to the Newton County death of Nicole Bowen have cooperated in the White County investigation too. Quote, his case will play a major role in what we do over here. Quote, Guy said, quote, we believe we have a pretty good picture of what took place in White County, quote, Guy said, quote, we do not have a murder, I will say that. If there is a criminal act, it would be a much lower level. I'm not even saying there was a criminal act, dot, dot, dot. We're, in a sense, playing a wait-and-see game, quote, Guy said, quote, end quote. Dottie Hoagland Hannish said, Guy has been in touch and has told them that whatever happened, Kurtz claimed it was an accident. The rest, she and her daughters, Collins, first Prentice, have tried to piece together the best they can. Hoagland Hannish describes her son as a mama's boy, staying in touch three or four times a week and attentive to her calls and texts from the other side of the state. She said her son was someone who wanted to help others, even when she didn't think it was the greatest idea. End quote. Quote, the last time Hoagland Hannish heard from her son was on March 12th. They text back and forth as she rode home with Collins from a dog show in Louisville. Ray Hanish had asked if they'd had fun at the show and told her that he'd been on a spring cleaning jag at his house. She said her daughter, First Prentice, 
traded texts with her son a few hours later, early in the overnight hours of March 13th, when both couldn't sleep. Hoagland Hannah said texts she sent on March 13th and again on March 14th when unanswered, which she said she found odd. She said a nephew who lived in Valparaiso but worked in Lafayette had stopped in Reynolds to see Ray Hanish around 4.30 p.m. March 13th, but her son's Pontiac G6 wasn't there, so the nephew drove home. When three more days passed with no answer from her son, Hoagland Hanish called on March 16th to the nursing home where Ray Hanish worked weekend shift, hoping to catch him there. She was told he didn't show up for his shift. Immediately, I knew that something was seriously wrong, Hoagland Hannish said. Ray was never somebody who missed work. She said she filed a report of a possible missing person with the Indiana State Police that day. On March 17th, a deputy with the Coscuous Cow County Sheriff's Office came to her home and told her that her son had been found dead in his home in Reynolds. Collins said his car was gone, recovered later in Lafayette. So was his cell phone, wallet, and credit cards. Police later tracked down a TV that had been taken and identified with a receipt the family found in Ray Hanish's home. She said that when the family was allowed in her brother's home, the place was filled with cigarette butts, solo cups, and generally trashed. Collins said the family still doesn't know where her brother was found in the home, who was there when he died, or why his face and upper body were so bruised that they couldn't have an open casket during his viewing and funeral. On March 23rd, in his hometown of Hebron, Indiana, the coroner's report that came months later that Ray Hanish died by ligature strangulation was kind of like a gut punch, said Collins. I knew from the get-go that something happened to my brother, that this natural causes was total BS, Collins said. I have some scenarios in my mind. The one thing that sticks in my head is that he's getting swept under the rug because he was gay, and that maybe that was part of what happened. Whatever happened, someone else deserves to pay, said Collins. The Nicole Bowen case. While law enforcement has been tight with what they know in White County, charges filed in Newton County lay out what police and prosecutors believe Kurtz did to Nicole Bowen two weeks later, a few miles north of Kentland. According to the court documents, Kurtz told police he drove Bowen to a trailer home on March 29th where he planned to pit Bowen, 30, against his girlfriend Ashley Garth, a 27-year-old Delphi woman who told police she'd considered Bowen a rival and enemy because she was the other woman in Kurt's life, end quote. Quote, Kurtz told police that he wanted Garth and Bowen, quote, to hash it out or fight it out, end quote. That night in the trailer home, according to a probable cause affidavit filed with his murder charges, according to court documents, Kurtz jumped into the fray, putting Bowen in a chokehold until she passed out. Investigators say Kurtz wrapped a scarf and an extension cord around her neck so tightly that the end of the extension cord broke because, quote, he did not want Nicole to wake up, end quote. After wrapping Bowen's body in a blanket and packing tape, Kurtz told investigators he recruited help from Christopher Mathis, a Kentland man, to dump her body. On December 18th, Newton County Prosecutor Jeff Drinsky upped Garth's charges from assisting a criminal to murder and conspiracy to commit murder when DNA evidence suggested she played a bigger role than first told. According to the court documents filed that day, Kurtz said Garth tied a knot in the extension court. 
quote, I know you are going to need this, she told him, and her fingerprints were found on the roll of tape used that night. Drinsky said a plea deal offered to Kurtz, one that Bowen's family were told included a 45-year prison sentence, was taken off the table. Drinsky said he plans to go for life without parole, claiming Kurtz tortured Bowen. Kurtz is expected back in court January 6th to set a trial date. Garth is expected in court again in January as well to deal with the new charges. Three others, including Mathis, have been charged or sentenced in connection with assisting Kurtz in Bowen's death. In Carroll County, another case. Kurtz also faces an unresolved case in Carroll County from 2019. There, he was charged with strangulation, end quote. Quote, as for Ray's case, Guy said the Newton County case against Kurtz has to come first, quote, and obviously you'd have to get the value of charging someone and bringing them back over if that person in fact received a larger sentence and more lengthy sentence in another county, end quote, Guy said, quote, obviously the family was very concerned about what had taken place, as they should have been, end quote, Guy said. Quote, as we shared with them as much as we possibly could and answered their questions to this point, everyone wants justice for their family member if there's been a criminal act. I told them we'd make a decision as soon as we could, end quote, Guy said, end quote. The five people charged in the murder of Nicole Bowen on March 29th of 2019 are as follows. Garrett Kenneth Kurtz. 21, of Lebanon, Indiana, Ashley N. Garth, 26, of Delphi, Indiana, Jasmine N. Parker, 34, of Kentland, Indiana, Christopher Mathis, 27-year-old, of Kentland, Indiana, and Talitha Beckley, age 36, of Monticello, Indiana. Also present on the 29th were Talitha Beckley and Jasmine Parker. We have five people in a small trailer home, two of which claim that they heard nothing, saw nothing, and did nothing. We will hear more about these details in episode two. Once she had been placed in her own trunk, Garrett Kurtz and Christopher Mathis dumped her body at a property only 4.2 miles from Jasmine Parker's trailer home in Kentland. Her body was found the next day by that property owner inside of his shipping container converted into a blind on March 30th of 2019 around 2.40 p.m. Her body was identified on March 1st and her family was notified that evening. They were also told that their youngest daughter was the victim of a murder. Yes, you heard that right. To say it's complicated is a gross understatement. In the series of unfortunate events that led up to and has ensued over the last year is not something that can be summed up quickly. You are probably scratching your head right now at my weak attempt. The unfortunate events that brought these two families together, now bonded by their loss, will have you feeling every emotion there is. Expectedly, you will feel sad for them, angry by what brought them together and what has ensued over the course of a year. 
But most importantly, you will get to know these two exceptional women and their families brought together by the loss of their children. It is the most unlikely of circumstances that has created a bond of love, compassion, and now family. I am honored to know them. I am a better person because I know them. They are my family now. So now that you have the gist of both stories, we'll get into the purpose of this podcast. By the end of these episodes, I hope you have a better understanding of the crime, but more importantly, we want you to feel what it's like to walk in their shoes, hoping you never have to actually walk in those shoes. But if you do, this podcast and the legacy page set up for these two beautiful souls will be a place that you can go to for information, resources, and comfort from the families that have come before you. They do not want to be here and would give just about anything to go back to that hour before their life changed, before they became the mother, father, sister, brother, aunt of a case number. It is unimaginable. It's heartbreaking. It's infuriating. It's senseless. It's scary as hell. Your life now split in two. The before murder and the after murder life. Although that split cannot be erased, we hope to help make the after murder just a tiny bit more bearable. This series will shine a light on the cold truth of what it's like to be in their shoes. We will hear from the victims left behind because they are victims as well. They are victims of the perpetrators, the justice system, and those that prey on their loss. Those that only want the gory details and then quickly move on to the next case. That's not what I do. That's why this podcast is not going to be one series per season. It won't even be a season. They don't get to move on after the season has ended and I'm not going to be moving on either. After the episode telling the story of what happened to Ray and Nicole, I will host live podcasts throughout the trial phase so that you can gain understanding of what it's like, what it's really like to be a case number's family and friends. I use the word case number because that is how I feel they are viewed. That is not who they are and that is not how they view themselves. But I hope to give you some understanding of what it does feel like to be considered by law enforcement, by the prosecutors, by the media, including podcasters, nothing more than a case or a case number. That is not who they are. They are real people with real emotions and real life struggles that are forced into a system where they are sometimes just one case of many. But for them, they're the only case that's important. And that's what I hope for you to understand as you listen. We so often get wrapped up in those gory details of each case because I too love podcasts. I love watching Investigation ID. But once you start getting to know these families, you soon realize how cold you have been and how much you have focused on hearing about the next case. And that's why it's so important to me with each family that I work with that I do keep love first and I don't forget. I don't move on. I'm there from before the murders are caught and I'm there after. They are my family. I know this will be confusing, especially for the listeners of the Shannon Polk podcast 
series. I really do hope you understand and can feel comforted in the fact that I don't just go away. I am not that kind of a podcaster and that's why it is so important for me to do these other episodes because I'm not going to be gone once you guys are in the trial phase. And I just want you to know that. So what this is going to look like when you are on my podcast page, they will be labeled as series. Series one is Shannon Nicole Polk. Series two will be a combination of Nicole Bowen and Ray Hanish. And from there, who knows? But I do know that I will keep on the case as long as it takes, and as long as you need me. I won't give up, I won't move on, and probably some after because I don't go away easy. Getting to know Nicole. Nicole Lynn Bowen, 30, of West Lafayette, passed away March 30th, 2019. She was born March 4th, 1989, in Lafayette, to Cheryl Corbin Samuels. She loved her two boys very much. Nicole loves singing, listening to music, and being outdoors. She is survived by her two children, mother, Cheryl Samuels, maternal grandmother, sister, stepsister, half-sister, and half-brother. She is also survived by three nieces and two nephews. Nicole is preceded in death by her grandfather and grandmother. Services will be private. That was Nicole's obituary. I'm Cheryl Samuels, and I'm the mother of Nicole Lynn Bowen. And my most memorable moment with Nicole, I think, was when she was about eight, and we went to an amusement park with a house of glass, and her sister, who was 10, and my niece, who was um, eight, they went ahead of Nicole, and Nicole could not get to them and she kept running into the glass and falling down my mom and I and my sister were all standing out there my sister and I were laughing so hard and my mom got so mad she had to go in that little amusement thing and try to get Nicole out and to watch her walk through there with her hands out in front of her face It was just something that we still, to this day, laugh about. So that, I think, is my most memorable about Nicole when she was younger. Broken halos that used to 
Don't go looking for the reasons Don't go asking Jesus why When I'm asked to know the answers They belong to the by and by
and I need to be strong for you. I just can't. I mean, I, I don't know what I would do without him, Mel. I really don't. Yeah. And two weeks after we put Nicole on the ground, he had a heart attack again mm. and was in the hospital and had to have two stents put in. And I was scared to death that I was going to lose him because of his heart, you know? Yeah. But thank God he pulled through. Definitely. Thank God. It yeah. makes me emotional. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is when life is chaotic and, and you don't understand what's going on and you're forced in a situation that you don't want to be in. You don't want to be yeah. sitting in court and you don't want to no. be doing this. You don't want to have to be fighting for justice for your daughter. I know. And whenever I see him sitting there next to you, it, he's that quiet place, that voice of just, you can just feel it. Yeah. And he's so, he's just so awesome i i mean <laughs> i love him <laughs> i do too <laughs> yeah i've loved him for a long time so yeah, yeah. we need He's, those people yeah we do and we need to know but they're but not you going know what? anywhere i feel that way about you mel i really do i love you mm-hmm. i mean i know i don't talk to you every day you know or or anything like that but it doesn't mean i'm not thinking about you because what you've done for us and i feel you're the call for me too even though i know that you're a spitfire (laughs) but you act so i want to say professional but you're just you're just awesome to me when ginger was telling me about you know she wanted me to talk to you and and this and everything i was so like i'm i just don't i don't want to i don't want to get into that stuff because that burns me and then but you know what? I never held it against you about that other group, that stupid ass group. Ugh. You know, I can't they, believe you didn't. That was so awful. No, 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 no. It's not your fault. It's their misleading, is what it is. Yeah. And I know that you were just trying to do something to help us get Nicole's story out. I'm not upset about that at all. I'm upset that not involved in it anymore because even though I was pissed off at him at one time, he was doing an awesome job getting the, the word out about my daughter. He really was. You know, and I miss him, you know, but everybody has their own troubles and, yeah. you know, everybody has their own demons. And who am I to judge him? Yeah. I, I, I don't. I can't. Yeah, I feel the same way, and like, and that's why I've just been struggling with this podcast so much, is because I don't want to be a part of one more thing that hurts you guys. Like, no, you're not gonna hurt me, okay? Because I consider you family now. I, you know, we may not be blood related, but you're still family, just like Angie. I feel like you guys are family. You guys have been there for me. I I mean, you drive what two hours to go to Newton County sometimes, (laughs) two and a half. If there's a snowstorm, yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, Angie, she wouldn't stay home that day, and it's like she walked in that courtroom, and I'm like, are you kidding me? And she's like, you're not going to tell me what I can and can't do. (laughs) And that's That's what Mark said too. Mark's like, you can't tell these people. Cheryl if they want to be there they want to be there yeah. but I just feel guilty because everybody's driving so far and then bams change and those are the times that we need to be there the most well, for you it still bothers me because you guys are taking your time and you're driving so far and I don't know but I'm well, not gonna tell anybody they can't go anymore because yeah. everybody's an adult and that's what they want to do they want to do exactly. but I can't tell you that it's up in the air about the 50 15th of April with Ashley yeah. because the courthouse is closed to the public. I've been talking to Stacy and, and she said it's just a day by day thing. I don't want to be, I don't want to be angry anymore. I just want it to be done. And that's like, yeah. you know, 
you know there's going to be appeals, appeal after appeal after appeal. I'm done with it. When I say what I have to say to them people in their sentence, I'm done. I'm not going to the appeals unless somebody tells me from the courthouse that it would be a good idea if I was there to read my victim impact statement again. But other than that, I, I just, I'm done with court. I just want to be done. I can't, I... Because uh, in, until we're done, I cannot fully move on. I get so anxious and so sick to my stomach because my anxiety and everything. When we're going to court, when I know we're going to court, my attitude at home is bad. My attitude at work is bad because that's what I concentrate on. I'm just ready to be done. I'm ready to be the happy person that I used to be to the best that I can be now, you know? For sure. Now my baby girl. And uh, you're in a, a unique situation where there's five people. Normally, when someone is murdered and you're facing down the barrel of justice, court dates, and jury trials and plea deals, you only have one person to go to court for. Yep. Not five. I know. Crazy. It has to be so draining. It is. can't believe it. I mean, it seems like it's been a lifetime ago, but then it seems like it just happened yesterday. Because it does. I mean, it's crazy that it's been a year, but at the same time, if you think about the day in and day out of this year, there's just been so, so many hours of wonder. I don't even know where to start. We just celebrated, well, she would have turned 31 on March 4th. That day was awful for me. I cried all day long. I mean, I went to work and they kept telling me to go home and I said, I can't go home because there's nobody there and I don't want to be alone. So if you can just deal with every once in a while, the tears coming down my face, I want to stay. So people that I work with have really rallied around me. Couldn't ask for better people to work side by side, very sympathetic, just wanting to help me get through this. So, I mean, that day was pretty rough. We ended up going to Long John Silver's because that was Nicole's favorite place to eat. Really? Oh yeah, her (laughs) loved Long John Silver's. Oh my gosh. So Brittany, because I wasn't going to do anything, but Brittany actually, let's go to Long John Silver's and just eat and be together. And I said, okay, I'm there. (laughs) So we all went there and the kids were the two littles. Our granddaughter, she just turned three and then Riley will be four in May, but they were dancing together. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it was just a good night to just be together. There wasn't any tears shed that night. It was laughter and fun. And that's that's how Nicole was, laughter and fun, and that's what we did. So just thinking that April 1st is coming, and that's that's when I found out that she was gone, and that then find out that she was murdered, and then have to go, we buried her, and now we're, every time we go to court, reliving it. Not that I don't relive it every day, but it just gets worse whenever there's a court and the longer it drags out, the worse I feel. And I mean, I know that everybody's gonna get what they get, but it's not gonna bring Nicole back. Yeah. She was my baby. Yeah. She was my cool baby. And we always called her Cole Baby. That's what Brittany nicknamed her when she was bored because she was having a hard time saying Nicole. It would just turned out to be Cole Baby, and that was her nickname for all of her life. She had a license plate on the front of her car that said Cole Baby that my brother had made when she turned 16. You know, yeah. raising her boys, you know, 
it's a constant reminder. And uh, some of the mannerisms that, that both boys have just crack me up sometimes because it's like, oh my God, you are your mother's child, you know? And Riley, he's so young, he really doesn't, he's not gonna have any memories or anything like that, but it's just some of his mannerisms and some of the things that he does, it's like, oh my God, just, and it's been hard, you know? Because like I said earlier, it's it seems like a lifetime ago, but then it just seems like yesterday. Yeah. I don't know. It's like compartments, you know, you've got, it seems like a lifetime ago for all of the anxiety and the unknowing and what's going to happen today and are they, is there going to be justice for my daughter? All of those, that makes it seem like a lifetime ago. Yeah, it does. But a moment ago for your daughter and for all the good memories and for the laughter and that was, that's the part that seems like yesterday. Yep, I know. And that has to be such a hard dichotomy to grasp, like wrap your head around. There's been days where, you know, I'll wake up and I won't, I I won't remember right away. And then it hits you, you know, and, and and I stop and I think I'm never going to hear her voice again, you know, and it's so hard, Mel. Yeah. So hard to think you know never in my life never and nobody and I know everybody's like this never in my life would I ever ever told you that I was going to be the mother of a, of a murder victim and go through all of the emotions and the pain and every time you go to court you know you look at these people and you just wonder why why you know I just I just want to know why. What did she do that was so wrong? Yeah. They had to do this to her. Because she was a good person. She just had her demons. That shit just takes a hold and, and you can't get away from it. Yeah. It's hard to get away from, I should say. Yeah. But I honestly believe through looking at the last few weeks of her life and the stuff that she's posted on Facebook and everything, can't help but think that she really was trying to get clean again. And she was talking about going to AA meetings and, you know. Work out with her sister. Yeah. Positive things. It was all positive. Her her skin had cleared up in those pictures. And that's how I knew she wasn't using. You know, and... I just wish I could have told her how proud I was of her. But I never got the chance. You know, there's, oh yeah, we may have her voice, but there's a reason why we took her voice. And we became guardians of her voice because she couldn't take care of them. But I can't help but think she was trying to, trying to get herself back on track to get her voice back. Cause that's all we ever wanted. You know, yeah. I don't, I, I never, I never set out with the intention of keeping her boys forever. Yeah. It was just so she could have time to do the right thing, you know? And and I can't help but believe that she was trying again. And then all this happened. And I honestly think that Garrett kidnapped her. It held her against her will. I do. Yeah. Because Nicole was not one to go run to a fight. 
if a fight was, if, if somebody wanted to fight her, that she's always, she's always been, you come to me, you know? Yeah. She would not have driven an hour, hour and a half maybe, I to Kentland willingly to face Ashley in a girl fight. Yeah. She would have done it. I believe that Garrett held her against her will and got her there. I That's hope one I day you get a straight answer. But you gotta uh, remember, let's, this is not a kid that tells the truth. Like he's, I know it's he's not. lied oh, all the way around the room. But I keep I going know. back to the way that she was acting before, before they killed yeah. her. And there was people in the car, her car, when she yep. came there. Yep. That to me is the biggest clue that they're not telling the truth. He made it sound like he went and got her singular. The Bella Sale if you will, from the lady that sold her the car. Okay. Um, I, I, and I have that. So, and then they ran, um, they ran the VIN to see if it had been processed through the, the Bureau of Motor Vehicles, and it had not. That's how they know it was Nicole's car, not Garrett's car, Nicole's car. Yeah. Because of that bill of sale. I, I just think she didn't have time to do that, you yeah. know? She didn't have time because they were gonna, they ended her life. Yeah. So, it's crazy, you know, and I just... You think you have one more day? Yep, yep, I know. The hardest thing for me is I, I won't hear her voice anymore. You know, yeah. I may not physically have seen her all the time, but I could always hear her voice on the phone when she would call to talk to the boys and that kind of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I have not been to hear her voice except through recordings. She was just so, she was just such a good person. And she got wrapped up in some bad shit, you know? Yeah. It's so easy to do, you know. I teach my kids about choices. You think that if you choose today, you choose this and you choose that. And and sometimes those choices end up defining us. And it's like, think of all of the roads and the choice that you're about to make. How is it going to impact the rest of your life? She never got to make that choice again. And that is what is just heartbreaking. I would also like to give a special thanks to the Justice for Ray Hannish death slash murder question mark in Reynolds, comma, Indiana by Garrett Kurtz. Please consider joining There's Power in Numbers. And I would also like to thank this group for embracing the family of Nicole Lynn Bowen. There used to be a Facebook group for Nicole Lynn Bowen, but it was shut down by the owners of that group because they did not... Well, for many reasons, but they misrepresented themselves. And when they blamed the their own lack of presence in the group on Nicole's mom and aunt. So in a nutshell, that should tell you exactly who those girls are as people. I would like to give a special thanks to Amelia and Lainey from Murder at Land Between the Lakes. If you haven't checked them out yet, please do. It's a very good series. I am hopeful that justice will come for Carla Adkins and Vicki Stout. I would like to thank them for giving a shout out to Cold Truth on their latest episode. 